You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley, and with me today is my good friend and Make It podcast co-host, Nicholas Bugs. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and this week with me is my co-founder and good friend, Nicholas Bugs. Nick, say hello. What's up, podcast universe? Podcast universe, podcast world. And what does that mean when uh, you're with me, Nick? That means we're doing an indie talk. That's right. Big year ahead for the podcast and um, so much going on in the world of film that these indie talks are going to become sort of more and more salient, uh, more and more uh, critical uh, each time we do it. There there seems to be blood in the water for independent filmmakers this year. Um, There is a lot going on. There was an article, Nick, in Variety this week that talked about the fact that the average income for producers independent producers in the UK was just over $7,800 per year. Wow. I will repeat the (laughs) average income for independent producers in the United Kingdom in the UK was $7,800 a year in that a lot of those filmmakers are facing some serious problems because they're making their movies between 1 million and $6 million dollars. And they literally go to the sales conferences uh, and sales meetings and they have no offers. So you're just holding a one to six million dollar bag. And um, it, it, it was an article that was sort of in the front of the magazine. So I liked its placement, but it was a, a short article that I thought could have been two or three pages, could have been like more like an, uh, an article in The Atlantic, right? I, I wish it had been more immersive because um, that trend spells doom or some impending pressure, some impending problem that's going to afflict independent filmmakers worldwide. Yeah, it's a it, it's a crazy number, you know, and I and for that pay per year at that budget size is also kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and, um, you know, it plays into our main topic on this talk, which is, um, really just the, the sort of wool that, that we put over our own eyes as filmmakers and creatives when we go into the business of film, uh, making. And so, uh, Nick, as you say all the time, making art is not a business, but selling art is. And as soon as you are done with your film, you have to switch to the left side of your brain and put your business cap on. And what's happening and when you, when you put your business cap on, hopefully what happens is, is you allow yourself 
to be objective, not only about the quality of your own work, but about the condition of the market you're selling into and how bifurcated, distracted, and siloed that market really is. And it's getting to the point now, Nick, with, with every platform making original content, what we call this sort of fourth wave of the film industry and the rise of the streaming platform, it, it, it feels like you almost have to start with the right type of film. And even if your film is good, like some of these UK filmmakers and producers were saying, like, hey, we made a good film with, with a great budget and a good cast and it still didn't sell. Right. But what was the movie about? Right. And what was the genre? And did one of these platforms, was it attractive to a platform more so than what they were going to create on their own? You see what I mean? Oh, yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the condition of the market. And one of the things that I look at when you talk about the blinders for filmmakers is it's also the expectations of the market. You know, it's like, um, Filmmakers, especially specifically independent filmmakers, really believe that you know people are interested in their film as an indie, and it's difficult to imagine that really they're not interested in your film in a singular form. They're interested in how your film can be part of a portfolio or a slate, because for a distributor. You know, a lot of the successful or more successful distributors who are looking to profit, they're looking to profit from a slate of films. You know, I've always given the example, you know, if a distributor has a thousand films and they make one dollar off of every film per month, they're going to make a thousand dollars per month. OK, so if they're making a thousand dollars, assuming assuming there's, you know, minus the overhead, minus labor calls for their company. And, and sort of and, and assuming that they paid no money for your IP. And I just want to be clear to the listeners, Nick is talking about independent film distributors specifically. Exactly. So if they're making a thousand dollars per month, then let's go back to the in the singular filmmaker. You're one of those thousand. Right. So they're making let's call it a decent profit. I'm just talking about a dollar. They're making a thousand dollars a month. But you're that one film. So you're the one film that they made a dollar from per month. So if you make a little bit more than that because you had a, a good split, let's say you make a dollar fifty, you're making a dollar fifty per month. They're making a thousand dollars per month. Right. Right. Like that's the difference. Like the distributors aren't in business to make your singular film successful. Right. They're banking on one of them just being successful. Right. Because their model isn't about a single film success. Their model is about a thousand films making them a good profit. And if one of them hits, then they just go above and beyond. Right. Basically, it's like the icing on the cake. They get their cake by onboarding a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand films. The cake is there and everybody's eating well. But one of those films hits, man, they eat really well. They get to put some sprinkles on top of that. They get some ice cream on the side. <laughs> you know, they get creme brulee that day. Like, 
That's that's what the difference is. And I like I think- how you I like how you broke that down opposite. Like you, they, <laughs> they get the sprinkles in the bowl and the ice cream on the side. That's right. That's right. <laughs> what, what happened? What happened in your childhood? <laughs> I said the sprinkles are on the cake, man. <laughs> you know, I put sprinkles on cake. Anyway, go right, ahead. right. My kids put sprinkles on cake. So, uh, but yeah. So that's the that's the thing is that the, for again these blinders, Insulin the independent, <laughs> right? The independent <laughs> filmmakers think it's all about them, right? So when they approach yes. distributors, they're thinking, they're like, what is the distributor going to do for me, and how they're going to promote me, and what are they going to do, and what are they going to spend in marketing? Like, no, the distributors want you to do that work because that is not the that is not their business. Yeah, they'll take the hit. They'll 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 take it. Like if your film is a hit, they're all for it. Like, don't get the wrong idea about what we're saying. Like, no, they want you to be successful, but mm-hmm. you're not going to be successful through them spending their profit margin on your one film. What they're actually going to spend on, well, Nick, you know, you were rolling there. Tell the people what they're actually spending the marketing on, what they're actually spending the business efforts on and the contracting on. Yeah. So in the distribution, so you now you got to take yourself out of your world. You made your film. Now you're going to the distributor and the distributor owns the rights to your film. Right. And that film exists as part of a slate. So their goal is to sell the slate into all of the appropriate territories, streaming deals, you know, all of these options. They There's you know, the film markets that they go to. So again, they're looking to position the slate. So your project as an individual project may never be sold as an individual project. It may be part of a group of things that they're selling. Um, Maybe yours is a horror. Maybe it's a romance. There's very specific um, buyers who are looking for that type of content, whether it's here in the United States or it's international. So they're going to go to these film markets, right? They're going to partner with sales companies. Uh, They're going to look for the streaming deals. They're going to negotiate with agents at some of the the big uh, exclusive streaming like VOD. So they're going to spend their time and money and effort in positioning their slate for its greatest success. And you are one of the films in the slate. So they're also looking at what their buyers want, right? They're not pushing your content on someone. When they go to the markets, they're basically looking and listening to hear what the buyers want. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to package your project with others to try to sell that package to one of these buyers. So a lot of their time, effort, and money is spent at the markets uh, direct deals with, you know, other, other houses, other SVOD exclusives. That's where they're spending their time and money. That's exactly right. So if you can think about it, and this, this is this, this messaging, these facts, when you're in it, uh, if you're a filmmaker, they come as cold, hard truths. They come as realities that keep you up at night and make you rethink why you're in this business. Um, of course, there are predatory distributors out there and there are telltale signs for, for them. And we've talked about them sort of ad nauseum and we'll keep talking about it because they're just out there. And that will keep you up at night and be a cold, hard reality about making films in the independent space. Um, but they are realities. And I always say, you know, it's 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 better to know, like it's better to be educated or always feel um, like empowerment 
And I would always feel better about what we're doing as a podcast, Nick, if we're empowering the listener, just know the truth, even if the truth really hurts and it's really hard. It doesn't mean you can't be successful as an independent film. That's certainly not what we're saying. But what we are saying is, is be prepared to have the energy to, to run the race it takes to push your film um, into success. Um, you know, not a lot of films are successful, but a, a factor in uh, independent films specifically, a factor of that though, is that, um, and by the way, we're rating success by profitability. There are different ways to be successful, but right. a, a factor of that is that truly the filmmaker, the producers and the filmmaking team as a whole kind of stop running. And the upside of the down, uh, 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 you know, of the bad news that sort of Nick just gave and just not bad news, but the reality is the upside of that reality is that the distributor will never stop you from coupling with them, holding hands with them, and doing whatever you can do to exploit your film um, at all. I was actually at a dinner Friday, Nick, with uh, a producer. And he was lamenting the fact that, you know, you can't do this or that with the film because the film's already been out. Or you can't do this or that with the film because uh, so-and-so distributor has already released it. And we were in a packed restaurant. We were at the uh, South Beverly Grill, actually. And... Um, which I found out, Nick, is just Houston's in LA. It's owned by the same people that own Houston's. I'm like, what? Yeah. really? So interesting. Nice. They yeah. have the exact same veggie burger. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> which is a great veggie burger, by the it way. It is a great veggie burger. It is like the one. Yeah, and, that's it. Um, it's like Jay Alexander's veggie burger is the cold play to Houston's Radiohead veggie burger. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> anyhow, in respect to Coldplay, new album out. Uh, the I, I told him, look around the room. I said, if you surveyed every single person, we're talking about a room of 200 people. If you asked every person in this restaurant, did they know the name of your film? I bet no one would say they did. And he's like, okay, so? And I said, that means every person in here is a potential customer. Every person in here is a potential watcher of your film. So the question is always going to come down to, if you're a filmmaker in the independent space, how much energy do you have for your film and how much creativity are you willing to deploy? I, I can't tell you how many times. Look, the irony of it is, Nick, check this out. And I've told you this story before. At a party two years ago, experienced filmmakers at this party were having drinks couple of them, three, four of them say, we really like the podcast, but I don't listen to it every episode unless somebody I know is being interviewed because we don't need help with the stuff that you're. <laughs> and at the time I took it to heart and said, well, man, maybe this podcast isn't for the experienced independent filmmaker. And now I, I eat my own. I, I take that back because every filmmaker I know makes these same mistakes you over that, and right? over and over over again. They had the same assumptions. They run out of the, they run out of energy and post. They don't, they, there's a, there's a sentiment among um, producers, for example, that, well, why would we do this when we could only get this many people to watch it or this many people to buy it? 
And it's like, you're missing the big picture. You have to keep selling this all the time. Like it's packs of peanut M&Ms in a elementary school raffle contest or something. Like you have to go out and pedal your movie like it's a dime bag. Like you have to do that. So if 300 people are affected or what did I say, 200 in the restaurant, yeah. 200 people are affected. Great. The cool thing about a movie is that it's a network. It has network effect. That's the coolest thing about the product uh, outside of sort of being able to convey an idea and emotion is that it it's a network effect product. So let me explain what that means. It means it, it, it has less value, uh, significantly less value if you're the only person that's seen it. So it has a network effect. The way a social media network has a network effect. Social media networks are pointless if no one's on there to see your post. So you have to invite a friend to come to the network so that you guys can share it together. And then that starts to balloon, right? Because, you know, math. But, <laughs> but, but the same thing happens with your film. 200 people become 400. 400 become 800, 800 become 1600, so on and so forth. And it's all based on you having a great movie, great story, et cetera. Yeah. And I think the other thing, the other point that you and I discussed just the other night was, you know, when it comes to these blinders is really the filmmakers tend to think that, you know, let's take this analogy that making the film is a, is a sprint, Right. So basically, it's like you start your race, you end your race. And that's basically you start making your film and then you're done with your film. And then there's this magic that happens at the end. Right. Where you go to a film festival because that's just the thing to do. And then you win the film festival. And because you've won the film festival, you get distribution. And because you got distribution, your film makes its money back and then some. Right. right. So they, they ran the sprint. They won the award and then they were given money in return for winning. Like that's their vision. And what we understand the truth to be is this is, you know, you and I even described it at one point as a, as a triathlon. Like it might be a decathlon. Yeah. I, I like to say most smart filmmakers, experienced filmmakers know they're in for a marathon. Right. 26.2 miles. That's a hell of a race, right? Right. But then yeah, at the and- end, they don't realize they're actually in a triathlon or they're actually in a uh, uh, an ultra race that's 100 right. miles up a mountain in Colorado. Exactly. And that's that's what I'm saying. It's like there's all these pieces to this race that they're blinded to because they're so focused on the film. And, you know, one of the reasons why I say something like a decathlon, because there's all these pieces of the race that – seem like they're independent of one another, but you actually have to train all of them together in order to be successful, right? So like we always, we're huge in branding, right? And that isn't the thing that you do at the end. It's the thing that you do at the beginning. Yep. And the beginning isn't when you make your film. The beginning is when you decide to be a filmmaker. Amen. <laughs> right? So so we're talking about all these pieces of branding and audience engagement and making really inexpensive or free content for people to view and see who you're, who you are and what you're about. And you're giving this stuff away and people are engaging with you. And then one day you decide to ask your community for money and then they give you a little bit of money and you make another thing and you make your community happier. And they, they get the, you get the network effect that you just mentioned. Your community gets larger. You ask them for money 
again, you know, you make something else. And then now you're moving into this feature film that you want to make. And now your feature film needs X amount of dollars. And someone that you're asking for money can see that you brought an army with you. Right. It's not just you. It's your whole community that's begging for this content. You know, you've got a brand, you've got potential IP that can be positioned in a certain way. So now you're making your film. But listen to all of the steps of the decathlon that happened before you even made your film. Mm -hmm. And then you make your film. And there's a bunch of steps within the making of the film that independent filmmakers are blind to. Right. They're concerned with making the film. Well, one of the things that we know that filmmakers get hit on is once you make, let's say you get a great star in your film, but that star has not committed to marketing your film, right? Because you you didn't think about that. You didn't think about the fact that it's a business and it's not just a friendship, right? Mm -hmm. And you needed to contractually bind your star to market and promote your film once it gets out in distribution, if you didn't do that, then there's nothing saying that that person is actually going to promote for you, right? So, again, you were focused on the making of the thing, bringing the star into the making, but you didn't really respect or understand the business of things and bind them to that agreement. Right. And I think so, it's so funny yeah. that, that independent – and sorry to jump in. I just want to make this quick comment to that because it sparked something in my mind, which is in every single way possible, independent filmmakers – and creators, we we want we want to emulate and model the Hollywood process in every single way except that one you mentioned. Isn't that funny? In every single way, we wanna we wanna distribute like them, we wanna do PA like them, we want the money that they have, we want their cast, we want the whole thing. Except when it comes to your cast and 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 doing the right thing from the business perspective and making sure that your family is promoting your the work of the family that's different oh well, we can't get this big a-list star to promote for us we're just an independent film so you're going to stop trying to emulate hollywood when it goes outside your comfort zone i think that's i think that's something we have to look at and we have to look ourselves in the mirror because if anyone on your cast star or not star is unwilling to work together as a family because independent films more than any other type of film, you become a tight knit family. If anybody in the film's not willing to go to bat for the movie, they shouldn't be cast. They, you just find someone else, find someone hungrier. Yeah. And when you say willingness, right, this is where it dovetails with my comment about a contract, right? That contract is what documents and creates an expectation around that willingness, right? Because even though it's a family, hey, at the end of the day, if you're trying to make a profit, it's business. Right. Name name one Hollywood movie that doesn't that star doesn't promote, right? Like that's standard issue. That is right. the standard case. It's not a favor. Cause even a lot of times, even when your star is promoting for you, there's this tinge of I'm doing you a favor. It's not a favor. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. It's business. It, it is the standard business practice for the star of the film to promote the film. Right. Pe period. 
Yeah, as the period, the end. Like there's nothing else to say, right? But that's again, that's where we when we get involved with different projects. These are the things that we continue to stress. And back to your point about some filmmakers, what we would call them seasoned, saying, well, you know, we don't need to listen to what you guys are saying because we know how to make films. Well, you obviously weren't listening enough because we're not telling you how to make your movie. We, we've never said that, right? We've never provided advice on the exact how to opposite. Make film. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, so, we would never do that. I've, uh, what we've always said is we're not here to tell you how to make your art. Like we can't. Because no one can do that. In my opinion, you can't make an artist a better artist by talking to them. That's just right. not, not how art works. I literally switched my major in college because it, I had an epiphany one day and said, none of my heroes even have this degree. What the hell am I doing? Right. Yep. And I went to a degree that required a specific skill. Like I was right. already making art. I didn't need someone to tell me, to give me a piece of paper that validated the fact that I could make art. Right? Yep. Yeah, I hear you. And that's, again, that's not what we're doing. And we've never done that. And that's the part where I think it's just it's the blinders, right? They don't think they need to listen to the reality of the business. And that's what we're really hoping that independent filmmakers will do more of in 2020. We're going to push it. We're going to get out there and talk more. We're going to get in front of you physically so you can see us and hear us. And hopefully you'll listen to this because, you know, what we're really telling you is that you need to take those blinders off and prepare yourself for the decathlon and uh, it goes, you know, I stopped, you know, in the middle of the, the making of the movie uh, as we move forward through the, the making process and you've made your film. Now you're trying to get it out to distributors and you need to understand what it is they're looking for. Right. It isn't that you're the next whatever or that you've made the best film since sliced bread. It isn't that. Is that how does your product fit in with their strategy? Right. They're not in business for you. Again, that's the blinders thing. Right. You think that this filmmaker, this distributor wants your project because your project is going to make them successful. It's not (laughs) right. Like, that's it. It's not. It is a group of projects. It's a portfolio. It's a slate of projects that is going to continue to make them successful. And again, it's potentially the luck of the draw with independence on which one of them actually blows up. Again, it's one out of a thousand or one out of 10,000 or potentially even one in a million when it comes to independent films that really just skyrockets and, you know, buys everyone a house. So it's not about you. It's bigger than you. And as soon as you realize that, then you'll open yourself up to all of the different uh, parts of the decathlon that you really need to be focused on. Exactly. And, you know, two comments to, to amend to that, and then we can, we can wrap this thing up. Um, one is that if I could stress anything and be that if your movie is going to be that unicorn, as you mentioned, Nick, that buys everyone a house or whatever, or allows you to level up and, you know, or make your next film. We've heard a lot of people say, I just want to make, be able to make another movie. I just want to keep making movies. Okay, so let me change. I got three thoughts now. So, <laughs> the, 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 so but, but back to the first one. Yep. If that's going to happen, it's what we're saying is it's going to be because of you, not because of your distributor. That's right. It's going to be because of your creativity that you hit some underserved market or your f- film was in a very particular genre and, um, and you had a, a very particular hook that allowed your movie to be palatable to some large audience that 
otherwise, you know, um, would have been left underserved. Um, or, you know, or there's some subject matter in your movie that you exploited that no one else really could see or understood how to exploit in a creative way that caused it to become viral. It's going to be you that do it. So leave this podcast with your head high and encourage that when your film comes out, you have a shot because you're not going to quit. And you have a shot because you're a super creative and you know you are because you made a feature film or you're making a feature film. Um, My second thought is, is that if you've made three or four feature films and people aren't throwing money at you to invest in your next one, that might be your wake up call to try something else, either a different type of filmmaking, a different type of art or just a different career altogether. Because when you're three or four feature films deep, you should have it figured out in terms of how to make a great movie and how to tell a great story. If you're still not telling great stories and making great movies, two, three, four million dollars in, you, you know, you, you, you have to really look at that because you should have been successful on one of those movies or you should have t- at the very least had a very, very beautiful critic, a, a critical darling of a movie by, by then, in, in my opinion, uh, because at some point you're going to want to have a work that allows you to go and get an agent and that agent should be able to use that work and say, package my producer, package my director, package my actor, whoever it may be with these, this, 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 and that person. And you, and you know, here's the end result. And someone should get excited about that and give you some money for it. Okay. And then my third and final thought is, you know, Nick and I, um, we're not done learning either. And that's why we always say we as creatives, we creatives, because we're, we're part of it. We're not, we're, it may come off preachy. We're not preaching to you. We're learning all these things as well. And anything new that we learn, we immediately bring to this community. So uh, that's all I got, Nick. Uh, Anything to add before we wrap? Yeah, the biggest, you know, point of this conversation really was, you know, please, we implore you, take the blinders off. You know, if you want to be in the business of film, then it's bigger than the making of film. So you got to consider things like your brand, your audience, having a community engaged, as Chris mentioned, having a niche or underserved community uh, that needs your content. Uh, You have to think about the fact that it isn't all about you and your film. And you have to understand how to play the game with the distribution side of things and the marketing side of things. And that it isn't a sprint. It isn't a marathon. It's a decathlon. And you need to prepare yourself for the full event, right? Every step of this journey, you have to be prepared. You have to have the energy. You got to build that energy so that every step of the way, you're ready to just go to the next level. You're ready to do the next thing. And you're not going to abandon your work because it got hard. So yeah, it's hard. Decathlons are hard, but it's the, this is the world you signed up for. Just understand what it is you signed up for and train for it. You know, because you can be successful in so many different ways in this industry. 
Uh, so just just take the blinders off and you'll see all the all the things that you can do to really carve out that pathway to success. 100 percent, man. And, and with that, uh, we thank you guys for hanging in, listening to another Indie Talk. Of course, more to come soon. If you have questions, you can reach out to us with those questions at contact at bonsai.film. That's B-O-N-S-A-I dot F-I-L-M. And that may not be the only way. Maybe you're not an email person. Perhaps you like to reach out to us on social. So many people do. Uh, feels like we actually get more in the DM than we get uh, in comments these days. And we're totally fine with that. Um, and so you can do that on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. You can do that on Twitter and Instagram by searching for underscore. So that's underscore Bonsai Creative. And uh, we'll come right up and we'll be here to support you. We'll answer your questions, answer your query. Um, and one last thing, uh, as a side note, uh, we never got to talk about whether or not the uh, Academy got it right this year. And uh, I will say this to you, Nick, they nailed best actor. <laughs> they yeah. nailed best actress. Um, I called that early. Joaquin Phoenix. I know it's not a, a like a amazing thing. It wasn't like when I predicted Trump was going to win. Only me and Michael Moore did that. But <laughs> uh, however, back in 2016, I'm, I'm going to go to my. That's going to be on my tombstone. I predicted me and Michael Moore predicted Trump was going to win. And I'm not a Trump guy. I just I just knew he was going to win. You know why? Because he was branded and marketed better. <laughs> now, how's that for a fucking right? tie-in right there? <laughs> I always tell people, what was Hillary's slogan? And they go blank. I say, what was Trump's slogan? Make America great again. Boom, he won. Um, <laughs> so that's all it was. Judy with, with Renee Zellweger. Um, movie was, was, was good. Uh, performance was otherworldly. Like, I forgot that she was Renee Zellweger by the end. And... I think even though it was really tight between Jojo Rabbit and Parasite for me, there's just, I got, I physically got angry at a person on the plane that was watching Jojo Rabbit and was on their phone during the crushing scene in that movie. I, I wanted to slap the phone out of her hand um, uh, because it, because it made me cry like a baby, but I still think they got it right with Parasite. Parasite just overall great movie, great concept, beautifully shot and it validates what we've always said, Nick, about the death of the star system. Not one face in there you're going to recognize. And it won all the awards, both here and overseas. Um, best, or I should say best foreign film and best film of the year, period. And, you know, if you don't have those top 15 IMDb stars or V-score stars, it, you know, it doesn't matter. The story is king. So... Uh, that's that's my piece. Nick, do you agree with me that the Academy got it right on those things? Yeah, I agree. And I think it's basically to your point that the performances were otherworldly. And I'll also say that those performances were very focused, highly focused and almost intimately focused on those specific characters. You know, when I think about Joker and I think about Joaquin Phoenix I don't think about anyone else being in that movie. Oh, that's a great point. It's true. Right. So a lot of the other movies that were up for it had very strong and notable supporting cast that also dilutes the central character. Right. right. So, right. Cause maybe in, Adam Driver could have won it, but he had Scarlet on the other side of that. 
Exactly. Yeah. So where Joaquin Phoenix, I mean, it was just one of those where, again, that that performance was like you said, otherworldly from for his side and for um, for Judy as well. It was just. Yeah, there's a singular performance is the way I look at it. That's all I could say. It's like a singular performance. That's what you saw. Those are the people you felt. Those are the people that you believed in their characters. And everything else just faded away in the background. And if you can do that, then you're the best. I love it. So with that, be better, be creative, be engaged, as we always say. And again, reach out to us at contact at bonsai.film or on social media uh, at Bonsai Creative um, on Facebook and at underscore Bonsai Creative on IG and Twitter. And of course, our website is bonsai.film. So, Nick, thank you so much, man. Yeah, man. It's always a pleasure. Love doing it. Anytime, man. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. Peace. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects and social media feeds, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative be engaged. And thank you for listening.